Welcome to Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story. I'm your host, Cora Tarod, and I'm coming to you from the home of Irene Bredlow in Perea Elite. Irene is known by her friends as Sister Irene. Today you will get to hear a little bit of her incredible story and her life here in the land for over 40 years. Sister Irene, thank you for joining us today. Well, it's a pleasure for me to be here with you. Irene, where were you born and where did you grow up? I was born in Alberta, Canada. That's out in the West. And I grew up on a farm outside a city called Watasquin, which means in, I think it's Blackfoot or Cree, means hills of peace. Where are your parents originally from and what is their background? My father was born on the farm that we have today and his parents came from Germany at that time but a part of Germany was extended into Poland. And they gave this land back to Poland, so it was no longer belonging to Germany. But I don't know the year when that happened. And Mum's parents came from Scotland and Ireland. You mentioned to me on the phone the other day that you learned things about your father as you grew up. And one of them was that he had Jewish culture, or what constituted as Jewish culture, uh, growing up in his childhood. Can you explain that? Yes, I'm really sorry that I didn't have a chance to talk to my dad in the early days to find out more of what he felt about his mother, which is my grandmother. And I noticed after being here in Israel that my father did certain things that I noticed was very Jewish. Uh, for an example, he used to make potato pancakes, what we called potato pancakes, every December. And I didn't understand what that meant at that time because I was not in the vicinity of Jewish people. So I found out, well, of course, that was for Hanukkah. And that's what they had. And so it got me thinking, after I was here in Israel, my goodness, he does things that they do in Israel. And I always suspected that my father, his mother, was Jewish. And, of course, there's no papers because, you know, a lot of things got destroyed either with the people being killed over in Poland and Germany, or I'm not sure because I didn't know to ask a lot of these questions while my father was alive. So I missed out on a lot of that history. Was there anything else looking back now in your childhood besides making the latkes or the potato pancakes that your father did that kind of triggered something that maybe there was more Jewishness to him? Well, I'm not really sure, but he enjoyed classical and semi-classical music. 
and he was always very kind to Jewish people, I noticed. And he would listen to this one Jewish man on a radio program. I don't know what the program was about, and he never missed the program. He always listened to that. So these little things began to touch me when I was thinking about it, and I knew that somewhere he must have had some Jewish background. And I found out more about it when my older brother died. And when I was there at the funeral of my brother, it was at a friend's church that he was very kind to my brother when he was very sick. So when they wheeled the coffin into the church, I was fixing the Israeli flag that they had in the church as well as the Canadian flag, because this man, who was the pastor of that church, really loved Israel. So he had an Israeli flag in his church. And I was straightening it out so that the Mogan David would be seen quite well. And so the man that was wheeling the coffin into the church, he said, oh, he said, you should put the flag on top of the coffin like they do. And that really spoke to me. And I felt that when I was here in Israel that I should have somebody read the Kaddish for somebody who had died. And I thought, I can't read Hebrew. I mean, those are big words. <laughs> and so at that time, I had some friends in Seattle that when they found out that I was in Canada, they came up to Canada in British Columbia. So my friend read the Kaddish, and somebody else blew the shofar, and there was a prayer for Israel. So it was all very much Israel orientated in a certain sense, because my brother came here to visit me two times here in Israel, and he fell in love with Israel. So he had a couple of years to talk about Israel. He talked to the nurses and the doctors about Israel. You need to go and visit Israel. My sister is there in Israel. And so this was quite unusual. And so it was really wonderful, and a lot of the people were quite amazed. You were born and raised in Canada. What made you leave your home, your homeland in Canada, and come to Israel and create a new life for yourself? Well, to begin with, my friend and I, we were both nurses, and we went traveling halfway around the world. And one of the places that she really wanted to see was Israel. And I thought, oh, that would be nice. I would like to see Israel too. Because in nursing, one of the bosses was a Jewish doctor. And he was a very nice doctor, and I really liked him. So I thought it'd be nice to see Israel. So we left traveling halfway around the world. And stopping off, our last stop was Israel. And we worked on a kibbutz here in the Galilee. It was Deganya Aleph and Deganya Beit. 
it was either or a combination of those two, and we worked there for a while. And unfortunately for us is that my friend's father died, and so we decided to go back to Canada. But we'll never forget that. It was really wonderful. Part of the excitement of traveling all around different places in Israel was getting to feel the whole land. And of course, I loved Jerusalem. But when I came up here to the Galilee, it was in September. And we came up onto the highway going down into Tiberias. And I saw the Sea of Galilee for the first time in my life. And I said, oh, that is so beautiful. It's like a sapphire. I called the Sea of Galilee a sapphire. And I think that always stayed with me, and it still stays with me. When the the light is on a certain way, it could be a light-colored sapphire or a real deep blue-colored sapphire, depending on the season and the, uh, the lighting at that time. You have wonderful recollections, and it's really vivid imagery of your experiences in Israel. Sister Irene, you are a registered nurse by profession. What made you get into nursing? Well, what I remember, I was five years old, and at that time, I thought to myself, I'm going to be a nurse when I was five years old. You know, I thought about it later on. Where did that idea come from? And the only thought that I could have is that God put it in my heart, even at five years old. When I was in grade eight in school, I already picked out my school of nursing. And of course, that's where I ended up after I finished high school, was in this school of nursing that I had thought about when I was in grade eight. So I thought that these were steps that God probably put in my heart to do. As I mentioned before, you're called Sister Irene by all those who know you and love you. Is there a particular time when you started to be called Sister Irene? And can you just share that with the listening audience? Uh, Yes. Well, first of all, when I went to Australia and took my midwifery, the registered nurses there are called sisters. It's an English term that started from England. But when you are serving God, you're called sister. We're brothers and sisters. We're like a family of God. And so that's what they started calling me was Sister Irene. Can you describe an experience here in nursing, right here in the land of Israel, that stands out to you, that you were called upon or that you were involved with, that's something that you go back to and say, Wow, that was a miracle that that happened. Well, in nursing in Israel, I had so many experiences. And I remember nursing in Beersheba. I was on the geriatric ward. I was nursing, volunteering on the geriatric ward. And they were very happy to have me come and nurse there as volunteer because I spoke English. Because one of the summer programs that they had was student nurses from America would come. And they did a lot of theory, but they didn't do very much practical work. And so most of the nurses only had a few words in English. So they gave me all these students to teach. 
I mean, they didn't know how to bathe a patient in the bed and what to do. They didn't know how to give injections. They didn't know the practical side because they all knew the theory, but not the practical. And so that summer, it was quite exciting to teach them and to make it a lot easier for them when they went back to America again. I thought that the exchange program was very exciting. But there was other exciting things that happened. Sister Irene, I know you told me a story about an experience that you had in Beersheba. And I think the listening audience would really appreciate hearing this story of your experience in Beersheba. Well, this was very interesting. This was a a Jewish lady that came out of Russia. You know, she knew a little bit of English, and I knew a little bit of Hebrew. And so with our hands and a lot of (laughs) talking, we got to understand one another. And she enjoyed working with me. And I was working nights this one time in Beersheba. And she said, I want to tell you an experience what happened to me when my husband and I first came to Israel. She said, Israel was at war. We didn't speak any Hebrew. And she said that her little girl, her baby, was about a year old, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, was very, very sick. There were no doctors that she could call upon because all the doctors were on the front lines with the soldiers. And she said, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if my little baby was going to die, and she was having difficulty breathing. She had a high fever, and she remembered what her mother said. Her mother told her in Russia, just remember this, when you go to Israel, if anything bad happens to you, pray to God from your heart, and he will hear and answer you. And then she told me, That's what she did. She called on God. She called on the God of Israel. And she said, I fell asleep. And she said, I thought I fell asleep, but I saw this man dressed in white. And he had white hair. And in his hand, he had a spoon. And he had a a pill. And he said to me, give the pill to your daughter, and he told her how to give it to her so she wouldn't choke on it. And so she did. And he said, it will be okay. She will be fine in the morning. So she asked me this question. Tell me, was this a sage that came to me? Or was this a Jewish person that had gone on to paradise before? Who was it? I said to her, what color was his hair? She said, it was white. She said, white like wool. And I said, what did his eyes look like? She said, when he looked at me, it was like fire. I said to her, oh, I know who it is. Well, tell me. She said, no. I said, I'm sorry. I can't tell you who it is. I said, when I leave, Beersheba, I will tell you who it was. So when we went our own ways, because I was going to leave Beersheba at that time, leave the hospital, and I was finished nursing there, I got out a Bible in Russian. 
and I looked up all the scriptures in the Old Testament that spoke about the man who was white-haired with eyes like a flame of fire. And I gave her this book. I underlined the scripture in the Old Testament or the Torah. And I said, you read this book. And I said, and then you'll find out who it was. And the next morning, I went to the uh, hospital to say my goodbyes to everybody. And she took me aside and she said to me, now I know who it was. And I said, God bless you and left. So powerful, Irene. Irene, you went all over the world. You've been to India, Russia, Kuwait, Australia, China, Canada, Germany, Holland, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Brazil, France, Spain, and Denmark for just a few of the countries that you've been to. What made you narrow in and not be in any of one of those countries for the rest of your life, and then you chose Israel as the place to live for over 40 years? Can you share that with the listening audience today? Well, the first time that my friend Selma Callis, we traveled together, and we were gone for a year and a half hitchhiking. Of course, you can't hitchhike today. It's very dangerous to hitchhike today. But in those days that we did it, it wasn't the best, but we were hitchhiking, and we did halfway around the world, and we had many experiences. So our last experience is that Selma, my friend, wanted to visit Israel. Well, I didn't mind. I was chalking up the different countries and thinking, well, I'd love to see Israel also. So when we came to Israel, we worked on a kibbutz called the Ganya Aleph. And that is here in the Galilee area. And I always liked that area. But when we first arrived, we first came to Jerusalem. And we came from Amman, Jordan, into Jerusalem by bus. And the bus stopped on the area of the Mount of Olives. And you could look over the panorama of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. And it was here that I had an experience with God. It was my experience, and I heard somebody call my name, Irene. And I turned around to look around. Who in the world knows me here? I'm a complete stranger. And then the next words were, you will return to this place soon to serve me. Well, I didn't want anybody to know that I heard voices because I'm also a psychiatric nurse, and it didn't sound very good <laughs> to say I heard this voice. So I pushed this whole experience to the back of my mind, and I completely forgot about it. And I said to my friend, did you call me? She said, no, you're hallucinating. So that really put it capped. I'm not going to tell anybody that I heard a voice. So that's how I first came to Israel, and it was in 66 or early 67, before the 67 war. And then we spent 
I think, a couple of months here or a month. I'm not quite sure how long we spent here. And we worked on the kibbutz de Ganya Aleph. And we had such a wonderful time on that kibbutz. Our boss was from South Africa, and he had this long, big mustache, and he was always curling it with his fingers. And our job was to work in the fields, and it was to snip all the dead branches in the grapefruit uh, area. And at that time, the girls that were in the army, they had to spend some of the time working on the kibbutz. So we would go out, wake up at three in the morning, have tea and bread, and then we would all go out to the fields because it gets very hot. So by midday, we were finished on the fields because then it was too hot to work out in the fields. And so this boss, he liked Selma and I, my friend, and because we worked too fast. We were both farm girls. And we worked too fast, and the Jewish girls would say to us, no, those that could speak some English, no, no, don't work so fast. Then we have to work faster. (laughs) So we tried to slow down, but it was hard for us. I mean, it was so easy snipping dead branches. I don't think they were too excited about working on a kibbutz. And our boss from South Africa, he would put big clumps of grapes he figured out which would be the next grapefruit tree that we would end up snipping the dead branches off. And in it, he put a gift. It was a clump of grapes. And of course, we love grapes. So our experience on the kibbutz was very wonderful. And then there was a big wedding at Deganya Aleph. And all the volunteers, that was us, were invited to attend. So there must have been at least more than 500 people there at that time. We enjoyed it because we had a lot of cakes and sweets and whatnot. Because we missed that, you know. We ate very simply, and we missed that. So every volunteer enjoyed that very much. Irene, you have lived in Israel for over 40 years. Is there one particular miraculous story that you find yourself going back to and referring to in times of desperation, in times of struggle? Well, I have to say, how did I get back to Israel? I came back to Israel six years after I had that experience on the Mount of Olives with the voice. And I came back with a group of people, and we came here to Israel to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to bless the people in whatever way we could. I was a nurse, so I volunteered in hospitals and to bless the people. So I had many experiences in Israel, and I can't remember them right off the bat at the moment. But I will tell you one experience that really touched me. It was during the Gulf War. And at that time, It was the last opportunity to pray and believe God that the war wouldn't happen. So it was in the afternoon that the Jewish people, the ultra-Orthodox and all the Jewish people, 
had an opportunity to go to the Western Wall and to pray. And it was during the time, I think the, the prayer started at 2 o'clock, and I said to everybody, let's join them. Let's be found praying with them at the Western Wall. So we all did. We went, those of us that were praying in Jerusalem at that time, we went to the Western Wall. Oh, my goodness, there was a sea of black. All the Orthodox were there praying, and it was led by the, the two chief rabbis, and they handed everybody a slip of paper. The prayer was in Psalm somewhere. I can't read Hebrew, so I can't tell you what Psalm, but I have that piece of paper to this day. It's very precious to me. And so they would read one verse, and the people would respond in Hebrew for the next verse, and on and on. And I remember during that time that the birds flew all around the western wall. There were birds everywhere, flying here and there. And I remember someone said a long time ago that as long as the birds are flying around the western wall, God will be there helping Israel. And I never saw so many birds. You know, there's been occasional birds all over, but this day there were so many birds. And so I had an experience. I felt that I was entering into the very portals of heaven and that I knew at that time that God was going to be with his people, and not to fear, and not to fear. I mean, we all made rooms in case, you know, we were bombed or a, a place of shelter, and I knew that everything was going to be okay by that experience that I had. I knew that God was not only going to protect us, but he was going to protect Jerusalem. He was going to protect his people, and it would be okay. And so I went away from that experience with great faith in God as never before. Sister Irene, you have a wonderful memory. The more I'm hearing you answer these questions, the more I realize how sharp and how you can remember details. When you go through it, you remember the details. <laughs> Sister Irene, thank you so much for joining us today. It was my pleasure to join you. Join me next time on Israel Mosaic, Land People's Story, when we will listen to more of Sister Irene's amazing story. See you soon. <laughs>